Yeah, no, absolutely. I would love to see what David Foster Wallace would think about today's society. Um, not optimistic, I'd imagine. Yeah, I'm not optimistic. And, you know, the thing is, is like, you know, he, I, I just remember now he killed himself in August 2008. So mm-hmm. right before Obama got elected, right? Mm-hmm. But that's also when the economy was crashing, yep. right? And so it's just this mix of like probably the most positive and negative emotions and mm-hmm. And then, and then, you've, then you've, you have the, of course, the whole social media thing on top right. of that. And, and I don't know how he would react to social media. Probably, probably. He, I mean, he closed himself off from like. Yeah, he was he not consumed. I mean, I, I'm thinking of the movie uh, and its horror. He said he's like addicted to drugs and television. Yeah. Something those yeah. lines. Yeah, I, I know that he he didn't own a television since like like the, the late '90s. Mm-hmm. He said that he would only watch television at friends' houses. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like. So we were speaking in the hallway. David Please Foster do. Wallace is being published in Russian. Yes. What does that mean? Yes, he is. What does that mean? Well, it's a huge event. Um, it's kind of the biggest. Well, see, now I don't know if my my limited kind of you know perspective is biasing. But Should we do a DFW primer real quick? Yeah, who, who's that. DFW? Well, David Foster Wallace is this, you know, American author from, you know, who was mainly active in the 1990s and, you know, the 2000s, who um, died by suicide, I think, in 2010 or 11, if I'm, or no, no, excuse me, before that, it was 2008, it was 2008, yeah, no, it was 2008, and, right, and so, you know, he wrote, you know, this book, Infinite Jest, and he also, my favorite book by him is actually The Pale King, which is his last book, um, that's my favorite, my favorite thing by him, I think it's, it's my favorite book, period. But anyway, I mean, so he wrote the infinite, you know, infinite jest, which you know, if you go on any list of like best books of the last fifty years, right? It's like, you know, it's always going to be best up books there. I haven't read. The best <laughs> books I haven't read, which is you know, it has these these footnotes, and it's about kind of how technology. It's a dystopia, but it, it's mm-hmm. about, but it's set in the near future. It's a very approachable dystopia. And, though, yeah, but it's very approachable because it's not set in like the you, we think dystopia. Mm-hmm. We think you know, it's, right. it's it's about our reality. It's not about some other reality. It's about our reality and. But anyway, and this book just recently got translated into Russian, mm. and um, and you know Russians are you know Russia is a country with a proud literary history, and so when when so when finally when a book that they've been you know hearing about an mm. author they've been hearing out you know for the last ten years is finally translated in their language it's a big deal, right. um, because there is a you know a, a literary community and so you know I I, I I had been following this for a long time because I follow contemporary Russian literature and then of course when I want to know what how or when my favorite author is being kind of received in in, in Russian I was always like the one moving him forward I was telling mm-hmm. everybody have you heard of him are there any translations I would go when into, you were over there you when I was in the, I, I went to Domknigi which mm-hmm. is the famous old bookstore in St. Petersburg right on Nevsky Prospect I went in there maybe three or four times in, in over the course of a year mm-hmm. and I would go up to the little computer there and I would I would type in David Foster Wallace in English and Russian try different transliterations like there was no 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 there was there was no published in existence there was only these in Russian you say so these amateur uh, translations that were floating around on the internet right right um, of, his, of his short stories, minor works, but nothing big. And do you think that was political or because of just the undertaking of it? It's the undertaking of it, and it's just... He deals with very casual themes in Russia, seen as, like, 
very subversive. Just suicide, yeah, sexuality. No, you know, there, 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 there might be a little bit of that. Um, he wrote about porn. He was a yeah. porn journalist. I mean. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there, there might be a little bit about that uh, of that. And I know that you know one of the big things going on in in, in in Russian literary, just like you know, in the country, there's a huge generational divide. Mm-hmm. There's these people who think that yes. literature needs to be about avichnum, about the eternal, right, and mm-hmm. love, you know, war and peace, and all you know, all this stuff. You know, that's an incorrect translation of what the the Russian is. It should have been war in the world, yep. right? But um, but that's what they say, right? And now, and so what I really love Balyarinov, who's the translator, this writer. Um, I've I've watched some interviews with him, and then I've got his most recent mm-hmm. novel, and I'm reading it now. And you know, he goes out there and says like. We, we are operating on fumes, Russian literature. We are not, like, we have not taken all of the kind of results and conclusions of postmodernism into our literary tradition. Mm-hmm. And so if Russian literature is going to continue to be, you know, important in the future, we have to be in dialogue with the other great works of world literature. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, they talk about postmodernism. Yeah. And then they talk about the post-postmodernist, the so-called new sincerity, which is novaya iskrenost, which is also a, a phrase that's used in Russia. Victor um, Pelevin often yeah, one of the, yeah uh, right and Pelevin is just part of that right and so um, do, do you think that uh, that sort of striving to reinvent literature is a uniquely Russian thing or do you think every generation is sort of feeling that no I think I mean I think that's a global thing that's happening because of changes in, in technology but what is the case is that mm-hmm. every country and every national literature tradition is having to respond to these techn- te- mm-hmm. technological changes differently and that's the most interesting part of translating something yep. like this is is for a russian person to understand how these technological changes are impacting the united states differently than russia and right. and, st- and things related to to that and do you think like something of like contemporary american literature you could speak better to it but i think only got like jonathan franzen who's yeah. just literally talking about a husband and wife and how modern society is just sort of crippling the relationship slowly over 20 mm-hmm. years is there are there those kind of like sort of mundane, subversive, uh, I guess just sort of almost like nihilistic writers in Russia? Yeah, do you think they kind absolutely. of reject that cultural view? Um, no, I think that they're, in fact, I think that, you know, if we talk about contemporary literature, the kind of stuff that Franzen writes, mm-hmm. that is the kind of stuff that you'll find more amongst contemporary Russian. Oh, really? Right, yeah, just kind of like a, you know, uh, I think a total... A, Tolstoyan narrative narratives mm-hmm. about you know these things and sadness or whatever these big eternal emotions and and so no you, you can you can find stuff like Franzen and Franzen is actually you know read and known um, in Russia but the mm-hmm. stuff the other the, the the little the weirder stuff the more David Foster Wallace kind mm-hmm. of stuff that really plays with form that's the stuff that Russian literature was was really kind of lacking. lacking. Yeah, yeah, and so it's like if just a few people like Pelevin and kind of Sorokin were the people moving that forward. But they have their own. They, there's all kinds of problems with their literature, you know, as well. And and like Pelevin, for example, is often accused of being a misogynist. I don't know. I mean, he, you know, these people often when you're a writer and you're talking about Russian, you have to you have to Russians. you have to show certain opinions, right? Mm-hmm. And, and you know, and, and then the writer's not going to say like, you know, what do you feel about this, blah blah. But um, and so there's all kinds of you know, comp, you know, complications related to that, and how, the extent to which you can separate the author from his works, and I mean, no one wants to read a book where the main character treats everyone with respect, and yeah, that, that and would be really boring. Yeah, narrative. absolutely. Uh, I mean, I'm thinking of Faust Wallace interviews a hideous man, and mm-hmm. you know, 
I mean, some of those are just very short, and some is about like a father sort of sexually abusing his son, yeah. and told in a totally comic and family-friendly way. Yeah. And I just don't understand how you possibly translate that, and it comes through in the same light. I mean, yeah, no, it's it's difficult because you know because somebody like Wallace is really idiomatic, but the stuff that I are, would think is even harder to translate is a different um, story from that collection called Octet. Mm-hmm. Which is one of these ones with all the footnotes yeah. and and the you know just really complicated ones and, the, and this really self-conscious stuff when the author's talking to mm. themselves and that's the kind of stuff that can I think is actually a lot harder to, to, to translate. And then mm. if you take something like brief interviews with with, with hideous men, um, the the uh, in Russian nagabraznas, the nagabrazia, the just kind of the. There's so many different types of writing in mm-hmm. there. You know, Wallace is such a dynamic writer where there's so many, all these different voices, right? Female characters, you know, uneducated serial yes. killers, you know, college, right? He's he's able to play every single one of these roles so well. And that's another thing that not all translators can play. I mean, his, his body work is impossible. The best thing I think he's ever written, well, it was a, a collection, but string theory. It's just his collection of tennis journalism. Yeah, I love and that. He was a star tennis player. Love that. It's like, I mean, he's talking about him just playing in the Midwest and how he was really good because it's windy. Yeah. And he'd get to every ball and he would loop it and no one could play against him. And then it ends in the modern from going to the US Open and talking about the growth of like power base liners and tennis. Yeah, yeah. And he's so, he can be so small and talk about this little thing and then also capture the essence of a sport which is totally accessible to, I'd say, most Americans. Yeah, isn't just an impossible? Right? Yeah, I mean, if we, if we talk about Wallace's nonfiction, I, I mean, I have some some favorites of my own. I, I obviously love a supposedly fun thing I'll never do again. <laughs> if you've read that one about the yeah. cruise, just mm-hmm. I I love that and just kind of the critical, cynical, but just very up upfront. Mm-hmm. Um, oh gosh, and there was another one that, that came to mind, but no, I have I have a lot of. Oh no, it's it's. Did you ever read the one? It's called Up Simba. Nope. It's about the two. 2000 presidential campaign in the time Wallace spent covering John McCain. No, I've not. And, that. you know, I'm, I'm not, you know, I mean, there's some things I like about McCain, but mm-hmm. after you read this story, like, if you hated McCain, like, mm-hmm. you're, it really makes you understand this person a lot better. And this is some of the most powerful writing mm-hmm. I've ever seen. And the way he describes what John McCain went through in this prison camp is just, like, you know, unbelievable. Um, and he's not very political. No, directly. He was, no. I mean, he's from Minnesota, right? Like, no, well, he was from Illinois. Illinois, I just and he went to college in Massachusetts, and he was not an overly poli- political guy. But, but why the essay say is so good? It's not really even the political stuff. It's just about like the empathy. Mm-hmm. About take like a politician that you hate, like you know that you don't like. All of them. <laughs> All of them, right? But then take the one that you just most dislike, and then really honestly try to put yourself in their shoes, their mm-hmm. life experience, the things that have been ha- you know that have happened to them. And then it really changes things, and so um, I think I think it's valuable to even try to force yourself to use that empathy on people that you wouldn't. You know. Yeah, I mean, it's well, now we're just getting into politics, but I think it's crazy how so much in politics how they come from so many different ranges and they kind of end up being the same product, and that's totally changed how we view politicians just via Twitter. And I think we have granted for so long granted the dialogue of the the nation to politicians. We're usually rich country club people or rich southern people who try to pretend that they're not. And now we've kind of traded that discourse to people on Twitter who believe in their mind that they have more important things to say. So these are usually narcissists, smart people, but you look at any side of the political spectrum, you've just handed over our how we discuss everything to people who might not 
really be able to wield that power. I don't know what DFW think about Twitter. He'd probably be horrified by it, I feel like. Yeah, I think he probably would be horrified by it, you know, and just right, this idea of, of what I'm going to say is interesting just because I said it. Mm-hmm. Not because the content is interesting, just because I said it. It's, it's, it's de facto, you know, a priori interesting just because um, um, I decided to write it and put right. it publicly. So, no, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a huge, um, it's a huge challenge. Um, yeah, he's one of those guys that wishes to still alive. Yeah, yeah. I feel no. that for most people. No, and um, you know, and, yeah. No, absolutely. I would love to see what David Foster Wallace would think about today's society. The views, opinions, and ideas expressed on this episode do not necessarily reflect those of the show or the University of Texas. Thank you for listening to the Slavic Connection. Please visit slavxradio.com for more information and to subscribe to our podcast and YouTube channel. As always, we invite listener feedback, so please send us your comments. The Slavic Connection is produced by the Center for Russian, East European, and Eurasian Studies at the University of Texas at Austin. Thank you.